0: Candace Candy Cane, P.I., Case Files, Volume 1, To Catch a Clown, Chapter 11. As she idled through town toward obtaining a much-needed first cup of coffee, the still half drugged sleuth attempted to organize her thoughts by mentally checking off the list of priorities she was devising the crinkling cellophane under her bandana buzzed like a bee in her bonnet as she regarded her options first and foremost was to come up with an acceptable and workable approach to avoiding any and all further contact with the annoying with the annoying foster childs what a jerk she mumbled simultaneously recalling the feel Of his muscled thigh pressing against her resistant stomach as he tried to prevent her from entering the crime scene only an hour earlier. So what? She admonished herself for acting like a schoolgirl. She could almost feel herself blushing, but quickly snapped out of it when she heard the blare of yet another horn warning her that she was drifting out of her lane into oncoming traffic. You've got a bad habit of doing that, you know, she reminded herself again and resumed ticking down the tasks she'd set for the day. Number two was finding a safe and discreet place where she could forensically investigate the as yet unidentified clue plucked from beneath the victim's refrigerator. Number three was to plot a fitting payback for the little game Juju had played at her expense the night before. And number four was to pay a little visit to the mysterious Zoe. She felt in need of a good massage, but first she needed the perfect disguise, just in case Zoe did turn out to be her elusive quarry, the notorious Rondo Ricky Ricardo. He might or might not remember her. She had been at college most of the time during his brief stint as a carnival clown and part-time Gibsonton Snowbird. But Candy had made many trips back and forth in those days, and although she had never seen him without his makeup, he may have noticed her. Besides, There had been the unintended, too-close-for-comfort meeting at the seminar the week before, and even though she'd worn a short auburn wig, taped her breasts down, and never took off her dark glasses even during classes and lectures, she couldn't take the chance he would recognize and elude her, and so she turned into the parking lot of the Dunkin' Donuts her nose guiding her toward the pungent aroma of Middle America's favorite coffee and the promise of caffeine-heightened perception. She uncharacteristically failed to notice the plain white minivan trailing her. As she exited her vehicle in a hurry to get the java, the van trolled past the donut shop a pair of squinting eyes peering at her menacingly from above a peaked nose. Back at the ranch, so to speak, Candy made no mention of the previous night's dirty trick when Madame Juju appeared with the disheveled peanut, half expecting the girl to be laying in wait with, at the least, some homemade kind of voodoo doll frothing at the mouth for revenge. Instead, she cheerfully acknowledged Candy's light-hearted greeting, although she didn't buy it for a minute. Got to be on my guard, she thought, knowing that somewhere, somehow, some way, she would have to face the music for having spiked the child's tea the night before. But Juju didn't believe in or approve of mind-altering substances. She didn't think they were necessary for any purpose, was convinced they interfered with clear reception when one was tuning into other spheres, and knew for a fact they could serve to initiate contact with otherworldly entities best left alone. Anyway, she'd been angry when she discovered the baggie of herb that had smelled like cow dung, on a dewy morning under the mattress in her guest bedroom after Candy's last visit and mistakenly assuming the contraband belonged to the young woman, decided she would give the wayward neophyte a taste of her own medicine the next time she visited. Of course, the deed was done before Peanut had burst in to spread the news about Cherry Pitt's untimely demise, and in the time Juju had to even think about regretting her actions, the cannibal had already found its way through Candy's bloodstream into her brain, and it had taken both the medium and the scrawny visitor a half hour and a bag of M&Ms trailed like breadcrumbs across the floor to sequester Candy in the spare bedroom where she had spent the night in the aforementioned paralytic, hallucinatory state. So it wasn't unexpected now when Candy begged off breakfast or lunch, feigning exhaustion, and spent the afternoon holed up behind the closed door of the guest room. Actually, it gave Juju a chance to relax, as she was on edge waiting for the other shoe to drop, half hoping it would be soon so things could get back to normal, although there never was anything remotely resembling normal in her household. In the meantime, Candy had retrieved the wad of clear plastic, hidden in her bun, and found it to be the outside of a cigarette pack, apparently hastily crushed and neither tossed carelessly aside or more likely had fallen from its absent-mindedly placed perch on the top of the Vic's fridge, where Fortune had ultimately placed it within Candy's radar. No way, she blurted out under her breath, examining the contents of the makeshift container using a pair of tweezers she had scrubbed down with alcohol she was looking at the stub of a marijuana joint, coincidentally enough, and though most of this type of remnant are nearly identical, this one still held a strong odor reminiscent of jasmine and curry, and Candy knew exactly where it had originated from. Someone has some splaining to do, The befuddled young private investigator gasped under her breath.